Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heard on the Street, Street Fight's podcast where we uncover the stories behind the companies, and more importantly, the people that constitute this sector of media and advertising that we all call local. So where are they from? What makes them tick? What business and life lessons can we draw from that? So I'm Mike Boland, lead analyst at Street Fight, and our guest today is Brian Rappaport, CEO of Quan Media Group, an agency that specializes in out-of-home media. So we talked to Brian from our studio in San Francisco about the trends he's tracking and the best practices he's exercising. So here's our discussion with Brian. So Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we have a lot to talk about, a lot to get to, including diving deeper into some of the things I just mentioned. But first, let's start with a quick intro for you and for Quan, for those unfamiliar. Yeah, I, um, I'm 12 years in, 12 years a little bit over in the large agency world, um, split between Zenith Media at Publicis and Rapport Worldwide, strangely like my last name, at IPG, and huh. kind of found a deep-rooted passion um, in working in out-of-home, which led me to open up Quan. Um, while I was at Rapport, I started building up um, sort of a proactive direct roster of D2C clients that started with Casper and grew to around 20 to 25, uh, mixing in Quip, Daily Harvest, Roman, Luminary, and a bunch of others. And I realized there was not, you know, a quote unquote out of home concierge out there that was flexible enough to work with brands that were looking to test scale and launch out of home. And finding this need in the marketplace, I went ahead and launched. Um, Quan to hopefully fill that need for those brands. Yeah, and, and hopefully we'll develop a good rapport on this call. <laughs> Definitely, uh, for sure. But uh, anyway, so very interesting stuff. Um, and I, uh, there's a lot I want to kind of – we can sink our teeth into there in terms of the dynamics of out-of-home as a specialty f- for your agency. Uh, but first, before we go into that, let's, let's spend a little more time on you for context. Um, one thing that we like to discuss on our show is this concept of what I call cross-training, right? And, and the resume and the rap sheet you just mentioned. Um, it's very interesting in terms of the types of you know skills one develops throughout their career path, whether it be like deliberate or serendipitous. So, how would you like characterize that like mix of skill sets and things you've done and being fire tested in different kind of areas? And, and more importantly, how does that kind of you know translate to, to what you're doing now and having kind of led you to the to the current? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, for me, I think it really compiles you know creativity, being a big picture thinker, um, thinking outside the box, being super strategic, being very fast, um, obviously with a strong ability to multitask, and most of all being managerial. Um, and I do attest you know, the managerial background to my time at Rapport. They did a phenomenal job um, providing an immense amount of opportunities that, that bettered um, you know, that segment for me. And whether it was taking you know, role-playing courses or sitting in different courses that helped me you know, grow a team and lead a team, that's kind of where I learned that. But for me, it's been creativity, big picture thinking, and strategic uh, background that kind of led me you know, to where I am today and, and lends itself really well to my role at, at Quan. I want to do things for the brands that I work with that have not been done before, that's going to generate buzz, that's going to ultimately lead to ROI. But most of all, it's going to help further you know, lead to growth for them as a brand. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And and also to curse me as you were saying that that like you know that's a that's an ongoing dynamic thing for all of us. So you're you know probably halfway through that overall journey and and the developing and cultivation of skill sets. One of which you can now add and look back many years from now as also you know founder entrepreneur and that type of stuff. And having founded a company myself in the past, I can say it's probably one of the things I point back to as developing and inflecting abilities and you know new abilities existing ones and just like things to add to that pile um in terms of being just fire tested in the pressures and and the responsibility and all of that and and you're at the the beginning of stages of that so that's very exciting definitely for sure now, now that actually brings me to the next question which is to go one level deeper on quan media group um, and we are lucky enough to get you at that exciting time. Uh, you've been stealth for a little while, uh, so this is all very new and exciting. Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about the the inception of, of the company, right? I mean, like the, the, the founding philosophies, which probably trace back to a lot of the things you just said and being kind of client-centric and, and ROI-centric and all of those things. But tell us a, a little bit about just kind of the founding principles and where you're at now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for so many years, I worked in a large agency world where, you know, you would work on these incredibly amazing brands, be it a Verizon or be it a JetBlue. And, you know, you would work on out-of-home campaigns for clients based on briefs you received, but it would almost be like a three-tiered approach to actually get these campaigns approved. You would have to go to planning teams. They would then talk to the client and you would basically get your ideas and, and you know, strategy somewhat lost in translation. And for me, when I was at my previous agency, I struck up a relationship with Casper when they burst on the scene in New York City in nice. 2015 and brought them in-house and started handling their out-of-home buying and planning. And I realized how enjoyable it was and also how rewarding it was to sit with a head of growth, a CMO, a founder, and really find out what they were looking to do for their brand and then take my experience and expertise in the out-of-home world and, and basically apply it to that and build ultimately a successful out-of-home plan that's going to lead you know, to growth or accomplishing whatever goals they're looking to accomplish. And as I continued to strike up, I guess, relationships with these amazing D2C brands that were, you know, breaking ground in so many different categories, I just realized that while there were so many amazing out-of-home agencies out there, there wasn't one really devoted to working with this category that was exploding. Like this D2C world, you look and you see, you know, Glossier and you see Allbirds and you see Thinks and Equip and Daily Harvest. And there was no shop there that was able to say, look, come to me with a budget of 50K, come to me with a budget of 500K, we will make whatever you have work by focusing on audience, by focusing on flexibility, and just by utilizing you know, our strategic knowledge of the, the media channel to build the best plan that's going to lead to growth you know, for you and your brand. And that's really ultimately what is behind the inception of Quan. You know, it was towards the end of 2018, I realized 2019 was gonna be the year I did this. I had heard from numerous people in the industry that I was very close with like, why don't you open up your own shop? You're hmm. clearly great at building relationships with clients. Stop doing it for someone else. Do it for yourself. And I just was so in love with my previous agency and had such an incredible time there that, you know, I really waited till the ultimate last second before finally deciding to make that leap because I just felt, you know, I was in such a good place. But there's always going to be that time where you have to decide, all right, what is the next step of my career? and is now the right time and it ultimately felt like the right time yeah a lot of good lessons in there for our listeners um and i want to i want to circle back at some point about the the intersection 
of DTC and, and OOH, I guess a lot of acronyms on this show, uh, yep. and, and really what makes that combination special, and, and you know, especially with the rise of, of companies like Casper and others. But anyway, before, before we go deeper into that, let, let's stay with the kind of the company, the founding, the model. You know, there, there are lots of different forms of innovation, of course. I mean, there's product innovation, there's business model innovation. What you were just talking about is interesting, and it sounds like almost a, an innovation of process, right, in, in how you deal with clients, how you serve them. Um, so totally. what's kind of different about the agency on that note in terms of how things are packaged and priced? I mean, I assume at a high level, it's a typical agency model, but are there any kind of like other different things uh, to highlight? Yeah, so I didn't really want to use the right agency when I created Quan, even though I do here and there. It's right. just natural <laughs> for me. So, so I basically try and describe us now as an out-of-home concierge. Ah. I want people to be able to you know, essentially, let's say a brand needs help with an out-of-home campaign in, I don't know, Miami. And they email me, get in touch with me, whatever. And they're like, look, we have $500,000. We want to spend it in Miami. Here's our target demo. This is what we're looking to do. Um, but we're going to handle, you know, the out-of-home buying in New York in-house and things like that. And it's, it was really founded on, on flexibility, on basically having that concierge feel, like being able to pick up the phone, email us, and say, this is what we're looking for help in. Or help with, sorry. And, and it could be literally, we want you to handle all of our out-of-home buying and planning from start to finish. We want nothing to do with it. We'll tell you what we're looking for. Do it. Or we know a little bit about it. Or we have a relationship with this vendor, so we'll work with this vendor directly. But we want you to work with every other vendor directly. We do not want you know, to hold people to terms and conditions. I mean, obviously, in some cases, you need to. But, but you know, spending X amount of dollars for us to work with them that they need, you know, we'll only do X amount of plans for them. We just, it's flexibility. And yeah. I think that agencies offer that to a degree, but not in the way that we're kind of offering it. And, and it hasn't come back to bite us so far. It's actually been really well received. And I think that because so many clients that we've worked with have really kind of embraced our approach, um, you know, it, it's been the reason why we've had so many, you know, new pieces of business kind of coming in house lately because it's, I'd say we're 85% um, built through word of mouth, which is the most, um, you know, amazing and awesome thing yeah another great lesson for our listeners we're all about business lessons here on this show so we're <laughs> going to pause for a commercial break when we come back more from brian hello everyone this is mike boland lead analyst at street fight and i'd like to talk to you today about brandify which is street fight's parent company it's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations so that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals. And Brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps and Bing. And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local marketing platform. And it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech-savvy consumers. So to learn more, visit Brandify.com. So we're back. 
My guest is Brian Rappaport. So, Brian, before the break, we were talking all about uh, you and also leading up to the, the recent launch of Quan Media Group um, and how you specialize in, in out-of-home as an advertising medium. So let's go a little bit deeper on that. Um, let's talk about out-of-home. You know, it, it's kind of the state-of-the-art, it's current dynamics, um, and, and you're just kind of philosophies on the overall category and why you decided that as a focus. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome because when I started in media, which was by accident, I started working in, in newspaper advertising. And I didn't start jumping into out-of-home until three years in the agency world. And I just kind of fell in love. I didn't realize how vast and, and spacious the out-of-home landscape is and, and what really falls within the world of out-of-home. People instantaneously think billboards and subway right. when it literally can be, you know, wrapping a ferry going to a music festival for a brand and throwing a party on said ferry. So I think for me, it's I'm a creative person. I like to do wild, fun, creative things. And like out of home sort of lends itself to, to who I am. So that's kind of why I fell in love with that media channel. But like that connection, that one-on-one -on -one connection with a brand, if you do out of home the right way as a brand, you are going to hit that audience you're looking to hit. And that's the ultimate challenge for me is, is finding the right fit for so many of the different unique brands I work with because really none are the same. Yeah, absolutely. And like, so let's let's actually pick pick any one. I mean, like you said, there's such a breadth of opportunities um, and and formats and styles and, and probably the campaigns you're doing. But like, let's talk about one or two, uh, however you want, in terms of just like characterizing anything you just said, any any campaigns that you are at liberty to talk about in terms of, you know, how you executed the results or anything else that just gives that a little more color. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, I could talk about one that I did at Quan, one that I have done previous that, that both are pretty amazing and you know starting with quan first because obviously i'd love to, to publicize right. what we're doing over here you know we recently just did a, a launch up in boston for bonza and bonza is a chickpea pasta which happens to be phenomenally delicious and they had never played in the out-of-home space before but we took over backway station in boston one of the major transit hubs there you know took over a bunch of subways as we call it brand trains when you're the sole advertiser on board yeah. and basically went into every single uh, Boston MBTA station via their live board network, which are those new, we have them in New York screens that are at all the platforms and, and had a pre and post awareness study sort of mixed in there. So we, we, we've did an attribution component to kind of see, you know, what led, or I should say how out of home ultimately affected awareness of the brand. We wanted to find out, you know, did our out of home campaign actually inform people more about bonds so we can get it so on and so forth. And I mean, without getting into specifics, the bottom line is yes. Like we were able to see via a test and control market, you know, before we, we ran this campaign, the, the levels of, you know, knowledge of Bonza, people that knew what it was, where you can get it, so on and so forth, was pretty low. And it spiked, obviously, right after our four week, which is the usual mm -hmm. flight and out of home campaign. So, I mean, there's so much more. We have like a 15 page research report on, on different questions, so on and so forth. But it was kind of awesome to launch a brand who had never played in the out-of-home space before and see it ultimately lead to results and obviously achieve awareness, which they were looking to do. And, and the campaign itself is pretty amazing. Um, you, you know, when, when I look at one other campaign where I really saw such amazing results is I, I had the privilege of working on JetBlue for such a long time. And at my previous agency, Rapport, we did something that was so traditional and, and somewhat blot in the out-of-home world. We bought about 150 bus shelters and newsstand ads across New York. And as part of JetBlue's um, partnership with New York and their promotion of being New York's quote unquote airline, they put different logos and symbols on these bus shelters. So it looked like a regular ad when you walked by it, 
But if you got a little bit closer, there was an instruction to actually take the ad down. And you could literally remove a full bus shelter ad. It was adhesive. And on the back was a redemption code for a New York-based prize that ranged from literally round-trip airfare tickets hmm. uh, on JetBlue to a pair of Brooklyn Nets seats to a month free at Brooklyn Boulder climbing facility. Um, it was amazing. It was such a surprise and delight moment that we have or that there is video out there on YouTube of people actually walking up, realizing what, what, what it was, taking the actual ad away with them and being so excited that they were walking away with the prize. And like for me, that's the real fun part of Out of Home because yes, you can advertise on a bus shelter, but what can you do with that bus shelter that really kicks it up two notches? And like, that's why I really did enjoy um, and, and why I am where I am today working at Rapport so much is because they were always very innovative and forward thinking with their out of home you know, campaigns and strategy. So two different campaigns, you know, one a launch, one a very well, well-known brand, yeah. um, but both kind of different in markets and what we kind of did. Yeah, the bus shelter thing is cool. It sounds like a giant scratch ticket almost. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what it was yeah. per se, yeah. Um, interesting. So, you know, let, let's stick with, with those examples as it relates to just the state of the industry. So when you think about out of home, um, and you're right, a lot of people have the connotation of like the old school forms of out of home, even though it is taking on many new, interesting, innovative paths. But what about the the kind of verticals that are endemic? Uh, because you mentioned that that Boston client was, you know, their first time to out of home. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and it seems like just anecdotally, you know, out of home seems to be big in, you know, the travel example you gave, uh, Orbitz. Or, or was it, I'm sorry, was it JetBlue? Jet I'm sorry, sorry not yep. Orbitz. Um, and then also, um, you know, a lot of, lot of entertainment, new, new movies, TV shows you kind of often see. But anyway, the, the, the real question is, like, what are the, the verticals where traditionally it's endemic to out of home? And really that's leading to the, the bigger question is where are those opportunities where there might be untapped kind of either advertisers, innovative advertisers. You mentioned DTC and, and those yeah. areas where, where you're, you're, you're excited about. So, yeah, I mean, endemically, like in the past or even now, it's like been entertainment. It's been travel. You walk around, you see Royal Caribbean, Norwegian. You yep. see JetBlue, you see Delta. You have Netflix and you have Hulu and you have Amazon. And obviously the tech sector has become so big between Google and Facebook and Snapchat and so on and so forth. I think now and ultimately what led me to, to jump right into Quan is the untapped potential of that D2C world. And within the D2C world, actual categories or I should say verticals to, to, that, that are untapped there. I mean... You think of D2C and like it's immediately Casper, Away, Glossier, like those type of brands. But like in the D2C world now, the pet category is so massive. You have, you know, Farmer's Dog that has done a phenomenal job. Then you have Jinx, which launched a few months ago, which is a dog food brand. You have Wild One, which is like upscale um, pet accessories that are amazing. And I mean, it's kind of amazing that like now you have this D2C category and within the category, you have separate verticals. Um, you know, real estate is another one where you have orchid homes, where you could buy and sell homes online. You also have ribbon homes. It's kind of similar, but you know, in that category, you have a brand dorky that tries to cut the brokers out of renting apartments. It's, it's amazing. So you know, for me, in really discovering this, this vast world of DTC brands, which is you know, the backbone of Quan, despite us working across all categories, it's how can you drill down even deeper into the world of DTC and find these verticals that really have the most potential. And there are a lot of them. I mean, dating apps also. Hmm. You see, you know, you walk around tin Tinder, Bumble, Hinge. It it's kind of amazing. So in addition to vertical expansion, what about yeah. with, like, expansion in capability or technology? Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, are there, are there cross-media opportunities for both 
added engagement, but also added measurement on your end in terms of proving value. So for example, the thing that comes to mind for me is some of these uh, activations, you know, congruent with social media, whether it be Instagram or just opportunities to engage, you know, through separate platforms at the same time, if that makes sense. Totally. Like, here's my standard industry line, like one in four US adults, Instagram, they're just seeing an out of home ad. I mean, there's yeah. a picture of Taylor Swift, standing in front of a gorgeous colossal mural in Brooklyn, you know, for Spotify. And she put that on her Instagram and it's absolutely incredible because that's a celebrity, but so many regular people just do that themselves. I think that that part of the reason Out of Home is experiencing such an immense growth right now is because you can actually attribute so, some measurement to, to what you're running and, and to the value that you're providing a brand. I mean, there are ways now, you know, via location data, amplification, localized me messaging, targeting consumers by audience segment to really drill down and build such a smart out-of-home campaign instead of saying, okay, this nice wall on the right side of the street has, hits 50,000 cars and the same wall on the left side of the street hits 50,000 cars, which is what we were doing back in 2007. I mean, there are ways now where, you know, you can tailor digital out-of-home screens based on the immediately present audience. You can aggregate you know, interests and demographics in real time from mobile devices near a given location. Um, and then ultimately that leads to like in-store conversion, web conversion, TV tune-in, um, all of that good stuff. I mean, we did a campaign for a client in Chicago where we put a proprietary pixel on their landing page and through mobile ID passback, we were able to see, okay, this person saw this great wall in Lincoln Park and went to the website. Um, but there was a higher spike maybe in River North because you know, people resonated more with the, the three walls we had there. So, I mean, there's so much you can do now in um, the attribution and measurement space and out of home that kind of also blends into the world of tech um, that, that has really led to the reason why we're, you know, averaging around three to four percent year over year growth as a category. Yeah, and that attribution point is key. I mean, one of the yeah. things that we look at in the kind of analyst corps that look at local media is this just like ongoing challenge of like most of the activity in our lives and commerce and spending happens offline. Uh, but it's so influenced by digital media and trackable by digital media like e-commerce is great because it's so trackable but it's such a small portion of consumer spend and that is analogous to what you're talking about in that yeah you know the the traditional challenge i think you know be, besides all the innovations you just met you just mentioned before that correct me if i'm wrong but one of the kind of the, the analytics or the state of the art of analytics in most cases was essentially, you know, hiring someone to stand under the billboard and count the amount of cars that go by. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, so and that, now, I mean, go ahead, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I mean, now we have, you know, geopath has done a phenomenal job and geopath is a universal, you know, out of home measurement system. You know, they've done a phenomenal job now of, of finding ways, you know, to actually attribute how many people see a certain placement. And then within that, how many people like, by demographic, by household income, what you know, what consumer segment does it resonate the highest with? Um, it, it's pretty amazing. It's come a long way from the world of, of what it was known as DEC, which was literally cars passing by a board. Right. So now we're going to shift over to find out more about you in our lightning round. But before we do that, um, I want to you know tee you up with one final question about you know the company where it sits now at this exciting phase post launch. So what what are you working on now that you're most excited about, and what can we expect from Quan? Um, in the remainder of 2020 and even beyond? Yeah, I, I mean, this is an exciting time for us. We're, we're upwards of close to 25 clients. We have a bunch of clients that we are working on that haven't even launched their product yet that we have no doubt will, you know, be incredibly um, pop popular and successful. For me, that's the, the most fun part of working in the world of D2C 
It's when, you know, I walked into Casper's office and there were 15 people there the first time. And when I said goodbye, you know, they had three floors in the World Trade Center. <laughs> so we have multiple plans set to launch this summer for different brands across different categories. Very ambiguous, but just out of respect, I can't obviously name them. Yep. Um, the goal for us is to really establish a West Coast presence. Many of our clients um, are in San Fran and L.A., and we want to make sure that we are kind of in their own backyard. So we look to hopefully have some presence there by the end of the year. Um, but on top of that, really, um, you know, kind of expanding the world of out of home for our clients and starting to weave in opportunities to um, integrate with music festivals and lifestyle festivals. I mean, I have relationships with with the guys at Founders Entertainment that does Governor's Bowl in New York City. Huh. You know, we've done stuff in the past with Lollapalooza. I, I want the brands that I work with to realize that out of home doesn't stop in, in the world of, you know, traditional out of home or through the stereotype that everyone, you know, kind of has. So th th that's kind of my goal for the year, but we're going to grow. We're going to grow our staff. We're going to grow our offices. And um, yeah, hopefully, you know, by, by the end of 2020, we are one of the surprises um, on the agency side in New York and, and of course, uh, across North America. Absolutely. Well, those are all kind of growth areas. DTC, of course. Um, Definitely. Festivals and, and just some, some fun areas to work with. I'm here in San Francisco, so we'd be excited to see you uh, kind of uh, reach these shores as well. So um, Totally. So uh, let's now go into the lightning round uh, just for some more kind of fun factoids about you to kind of wind down here. Um, so what's something about you that few people know about? Um, I've been on two game shows and won both. Ah, so. nice. Which ones? <laughs> I was on a, a lesser-known one called Let's Ask America back in 2009, um, and I was on the Match Game, which with Alec Baldwin, um, in 2017. So two really fun ones, and I won on both of them. Very so. cool. Now, do you have that footage? You know, the... um, I have some footage of me winning. Um, I won the most you could win, the 25,000 on Match Game. So that was amazing. I have it floating around somewhere, um, but I. I <laughs> You know, give credit to my my partner Rick Fox, the former Los Angeles Laker, who helped me win that twenty five k on that show. Nice, he was on the show with you. Yeah, Rick Fox. Uh, yeah, yeah, big fan. Rick Fox, he's uh, getting to the point where he's almost known more as an actor than than his career in, in the NBA. <laughs> oh yeah, and an esports maven also. So yeah. huge fan of him and a very nice guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so what's the profession that you'd want to have if you weren't in advertising and doing what you're doing now? Definitely an actor. Um, I love the spotlight. I, I love uh, making people laugh, um, being the center of attention, all that good stuff. So without a doubt, an actor. Nice. M much like Rick Fox's uh, ambitions uh, <laughs> at one point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so what is like a company or tech startup um, that you think it would be most exciting to be a part of like at, at early stages, whether like you're a fly on the wall or you're part of a founding team? And that could be like historical or even some of the kind of current upstarts these days. Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's it, it would be Instagram. I'm kind of curious to see, like, it's just crazy. There's all these amazing ideas out in the world, and you're like, how did I not think about that? But, like, for me, I just feel like the world is migrating away from Facebook and, and towards Instagram and the ability to just sort of show what you're doing in your life and, and keep comments to a minimum. But, like, how this was conceived and where it is now, it's I think that would be interesting. The cliche answer would have been Facebook, right. um, but there's a movie There's a movie about that, so I could just watch it. And, yeah, there you go. And let's see what it was like. Yeah, no, uh, Robbie Krieger and Kevin Systrom, um, you know, founding um, Instagram. It's a really interesting founding story, and uh, Kevin was like a vintage photography buff. And, like, the, and the reason I know all of this is it was on a Masters of Scale podcast episode that starred there. Uh, so I would uh, I'd recommend that. Um, you know, it's very meta. We'll – 
cross promote other podcasts on our podcast but um yeah i'd, I'd recommend that episode if you if you like uh, instagram really really interesting kind of founding story a lot of good lessons and stuff um so what is your favorite tech product or app that you use as a consumer oh definitely twitter um nice. i am i'm a big sports fan especially yankees it's a way for me to interact with other uh, other fans mm -hmm. um and just kind of Vent when you need to vent, but celebrate when you want to celebrate, and it's just a lot of fun. I've been using it for years. Yeah, and they they're looking pretty stacked in the upcoming season. Yes, they are. So it's all good stuff, barring um, injuries. So who's someone from the business world that you admire most? Uh, I was fortunate enough to recently meet Alexis Ohanian, oh. and, and he instantaneously jumped to probably the front for me. I mean, I just admire what he did, obviously, with Reddit and what he's doing in the VC side of things, and. He has invested in some incredible, incredible companies, whether it is, you know, Row Healthcare, whether it is Jinx that I mentioned earlier on the podcast. And he just happens to be such a down-to-earth nice guy, but on top of that, incredibly intelligent and forward-thinking. And, yeah, I just – it made me a massive fan. Yeah. No, that, that's a good answer. We have, actually haven't had that one yet, surprisingly. Oh, uh, good. What super superhero power, excuse me, would you most want to have? I think teleportation. I just don't like waiting. <laughs> um, I, I'm very, like – I get very excited very quickly, and I just want to, like, be places and do things. So teleportation, definitely. Nice. I like that one. Um, so what are some uh, passions or hobbies that help you mentally unplug? Uh, I play pickup basketball about three times a week. Nice. Um, it's it's a blast. I play with, with my younger brothers who both are also in the out-of-home industry. Um, it's just so much fun for me. Uh, there's an open court and an Equinox two box in my apartment, and I've kind of, you know, made a nice group of friends over there and, and – play a ton so that you know listening to music spending time with my fiance the usual stuff that that i'm sure others say that's great and, and where in new york are you i am in the city i'm in manhattan on the upper east side nice good neighborhood uh, i yeah. used to be on the uh the lower east side or actually no it was more of the east village where i was for i was there about a year seventh and avenue a um love i love city. it down there yeah yep always fun down there um totally so lastly, you know, we talked about uh, the company's goals and kind of positioning in 2020. But what about you? What about your personal goals for this year? I just really want our industry is really um, niche and small. And for me, I want to be known as somebody that, you know, really created something um, from nothing and created something successfully and, and fulfilled a void in, in the agency world. So, you know, my personal goals for 2020 is to um, – really have a strong year in billing. I, I throw the number $20 million out there, which is, you know, doesn't mean much to people that I guess aren't in the agency world. But for me, that would be incredible and in basically the first year of, of inception. Um, but most of all, to have a team of upwards of five to seven people and, and really be seen as as a hands-on um, founder. Not, not I hate the word, you know, CEO. I kind of want to shed that title. But just to really um, continue to throw my all in what I'm doing and what I'm building and look and and make work um not work it's again such a corny cliche answer but like i get excited to go to the office um daily and that's the best feeling you could have because again it doesn't feel like you're going to work so on top of you know having a great wedding and and all of that fun fun stuff on the personal personal side like really continuing to build um something special here and continuing to just build up a really strong client roster um, that, you know, doesn't stop at clients, but also, you know, kind of skews the line between client and friends. I mean, I think that's also been pretty, pretty awesome in that a lot of the clients I've worked with one-on-one -on -one have ultimately gone on to become good friends of mine. And, and, you know, when, when you, when you have that, it's amazing because it lends itself to, to more business and more connections and more amazing things in your, your growth trajectory. So I don't know, it kind of blends both between personal business, but 
those are my goals, I guess, for 2020. That's actually a good place to end it. That's all the time we have. So I want to thank you, Brian, for spending time with us. No, thanks so much for, for having me on. This is really incredible, and I just really appreciate the time and the, and the platform. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes of Heard on the Street. You can find us on streetfightmag.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Also stay tuned for lots more writings and multimedia from Street Fight. So this has been Heard on the Street. I'm Mike Boland. Thanks for listening. <laughs>